This episode of Bright Hearth is brought to you by Ideal Poultry, Garlands of Grace, and our supporters at Patreon.com. In all toil there is profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. Proverbs 14.23 We urge you, brothers, to aspire to live quietly, and to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands, as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. 1 Thessalonians 4.11-12 Welcome back to Bright Hearth, everybody. Brian and Lexi are here for an anniversary episode. Yes. Yes, it's been a whole year. <laughs> this is our 52nd episode episode of Bright Hearth. And actually, we almost stuck the landing. March 29th was our episode launch. And I think, Lord willing, this will come out April 3rd. So oh, okay. like four days okay. after the anniversary. We're year in. <laughs> Pretty crazy. 52 episodes. We hope it's helpful and continues to be helpful. And actually, it's not the only celebration that we have today with the anniversary, but also um, really the idea for this episode actually came from an event that lands today as this episode launches. Yay! Woohoo! Tell <laughs> us, tell us about it, babe. What Your what happened today? Album released. The, the album Finally. released. <laughs> it was only a lot of work <laughs> and time, and an eight week cough, and a canceled trip to the studio, and then another trip to the studio, and oh man! But it is out. Even dragons shall him praise. Full length album, ten original psalm settings, and two original songs as well. There at the end of the album, we put links in the description right there at the top that you guys can go check out, so you can listen. It's live on Apple Music, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, Amazon. There's a bunch that my distributor gives that I have no idea even what they are, but they have strange names like Qdobas or something. Are you talking about places to listen to music? Yes. How do I get it in my CD player? <laughs> you know, you're not the <laughs> only one that's asked that, babe. A lot of people have asked if I could give it to them on CD. And I do have, if you go to my website, if you go to briansilvey.com uh, and there'll be a page for this album, you actually can buy digital downloads directly from me and then burn a CD if you want. You I, <laughs> guys, I've looked into it. It's so expensive and... That's funny. I just haven't been able to do the CD thing, but a lot of people have requested vinyl. If it does well, maybe we'll do a, a vinyl run at some point. But man, I hope you guys enjoy it. It has been, uh, it's the fruit of a lot of work, not just from me, but also from a lot of talented musicians and my producer, Brandon, who helped out with it. So yeah, Brandon's great. We've known Brandon for a long time. Yes. And he's an amazing musician, helped <laughs> out quite a bit. So go check it out, guys. Give it some love. Put your headphones in. Take, I think it's 52 minutes. It's like an really? episode of Brightheart. Yeah. Oh, funny. So go, go listen. In and let us know what you think. Share it with your friends. Do me a favor. It really does help if you send it far and wide. Tell me your favorite song. Tell me, don't tell me if you hate it. If you hate it, just, you know, move on to your Taylor Swift or whatever it is that you. I think your prefer. favorite, your personal favorite, is probably the recordings of the children singing the songs, though. <laughs> yes, 100%. 100%. They are the best. And I'm going to get them singing on something. Oh, our kids? A catechism song. Oh, yeah, yeah. that'll be fun. Yes, I do. I love it when kids people send me videos of the kids singing the sea shanty or uh, the catechism songs and that sort of thing. I'm also working, I'm halfway done with the next catechism album. So look out for that as well soon, hopefully. And uh, we'll get you through like question 32 or something like that. Uh, anyway, so this episode, really in honor of the album launch, we wanted to talk about kind of looking at that as an example of one of the ways that we attempt to have a productive Christian household. And I think it's important that we look at things like 
you know, this album or something like a work like that as an aspect of the productive Christian household. Because a lot of the time when people think about productive Christian household, babe, what comes to mind for them? <laughs> productive property, property meaning like homesteads, which yep. we're big fans of around here. Totally. And it is a way people have historically always had to. There was like some baseline sort of homesteading skill you had to have. Yes. So it is good. Milk the goats. But there's a the lot cheese. you can do outside of that. Yes. Really, we don't want to shrink. We don't want to say no to homesteading and yeah, all that. No. We, we want to say yes to that and also expand our picture yes. of what it looks like to have a productive Christian household. And, and I hope that if I could give a goal for this episode, it would be that everybody who listens would think in a fresh way, maybe from a fresh angle, about the gifts and the talents and the resources that the Lord has put right in your hands already in terms of your skills, your interests, interest, the place he's put you, the people you're surrounded by, things that you could leverage to turn a profit in your household, to serve your neighbor, to provide services and things that other people can enjoy out of the fruit of your labors, and also to provide for your own household. And this has been, this uh, music has been one of those things for us in kind of a roundabout way. Most of the time, I think when people say, you know, I'm a musician, or if you had a kid who said, I'm going to be a musician, a lot of parents would would kind of sort of discourage that, right? Yes. <laughs> They'd be a little concerned. Yeah. And there is a certain stereotype of the guy who's like 25, he's in a band and he works, he, he, he bartends three days a week and uh, makes $12,000 a year because he's still trying to keep the dream alive that the band is going to make it and he tours and he's got a, you know, boxes full of band merch and old album CDs in his living room, which is probably his parents' living room, let's be honest. <laughs> and, you know, he's got this dream. So that is not how I approach music at all. Uh, it is not something that uh, I attempted to make any kind of profit on really outside of like leading worship in churches and things like that as a profession until not that long ago, a couple years ago at the encouragement of some friends and family in the church. But what we found is that as we started to think in our household about the gifts and skills that the Lord had given and uh, how can we leverage them in a way that we could serve people and also provide for a household, um, music actually has become one element of one stream of income for us as well as hopefully a way that we serve other people through the overflow and outflow of the work of our house. And so we wanted to talk about that a little bit today and maybe help you zero in on some of those things. So uh, one of the first headings that I have written down here on my notes for you to think about is that productive households are built by people who figure out how to turn a profit on the things the Lord has given. Productive households are built by people who figure out how to turn a profit on the things that the Lord has given you. I want you to expand your definition of a productive household. If you have it sort of locked in on, it's about homesteading, which it can be about. Why don't you expand that a little bit and do an inventory of your life and think, like, what actually am I good at? Yeah, or ask other people, like you've said before, that see you accurately and know, you know, ways that you're able particularly to meet needs of other people. Yeah. Yeah. It's good if you can, if you can sort of do an inventory together, maybe you and your spouse sit down and you think, all right, this is my current, this is like our vocation. This is how husband makes money. This is how the household is provided for. Then do an inventory and think, what are my interests? What are the skills, husband and wife together? And this can be both of you working together. It can be one of you in particular. The goal is to figure out some ways that the Lord has given you skills and maybe through your life, he's provided opportunities or training and through interest where you've actually cultivated skill in an area that you could turn and make a profit with. And, you know, this is kind of like, sometimes this is 
put under the heading of the side hustle or you know whatever it is. And but the way I think about it really is just in terms of building an anti-fragile house to steal Nassim Tlaib's phrase. Uh, and, and really, most of the time, historically, and also this is definitely true today, households that uh, are not fragile but anti-fragile actually turn a profit on often multiple different streams of income, multiple different streams of labor, and they figure out how to turn their active labor into passive labor over time. Explain that a little bit more. Yeah, so your active labor and, and the income that comes from that is, is often things like where you're selling your time for money, you're going out and doing some job, where you have to move widget A to widget B, you have to build widget C, you have to go and you know finish the baseboards in a house, or you go and do data entry for a company, you produce a good, you know, something like that, where you're basically trading your time and your skills there for income. This is often our primary income. But then the goal over time is that you would figure out ways where you could take that primary income, you could invest it sometimes with creative creativity and work, sometimes you know in you know, things like real estate or the market, and you would be able to turn a passive income to where you're able to do something once and that thing would continue to provide for your household and for the inheritance of your children's children while you sleep. Like that's the goal. Yeah, that's something I don't think enough people are thinking about in terms of long-term income because they think, can I do this side gig? And you've there's been things that I've asked you before, you know, would you consider making money this way? And you've said, well, no, because I have to be there present every second for that. There's no yeah. way you can ever turn that into passive income. Yeah. And I, I've noticed that that's helped you make filter, I guess you yeah. could say, filter things. So Yeah, exactly. It's like, if I have to be there every second of this thing to make money with it, to turn a profit it's on possible. it. possible. It's yeah. probably not going to be that helpful for And our for other people, it could. But for yeah. our season of life, our personalities, our other callings, that doesn't work for us. No, it doesn't. And, you know, for you, it might, you know, the music is an example here where, where I put a ton of work and actually quite a bit of of investment as well of money into the front end of music production. Lexi, what has been one of the easiest ways to turn a profit in our home in a way that's also fun for the kids? Good question. I think raising backyard poultry tops the list. We get lots of eggs and the kids always love helping take care of the chickens. If you're trying to get your backyard poultry operation started, check out Ideal Poultry. Ideal Poultry is the country's number one backyard poultry provider, and you can benefit from their work by visiting idealpoultry.com and placing an order today. Again, that's idealpoultry.com. Check them out and get some birds for your backyard. So far in the last 12 months, I mean, I think I've spent between twenty dollars and $30,000 producing music. And this includes the catechism music. This album, I'm working on another album that I haven't talked about yet. This is the first time you're probably hearing about it. Um, and I don't know if I meant to just announce that, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, wow, there we go. And so... <laughs> Yeah. Oops. That's going to be a good one. Our listeners are going to love that one. I think that I hope, I really hope that you guys do enjoy it. Well, this is a big teaser. <laughs> there you go. That's a big teaser. <laughs> Whew. Uh, yeah, this is a fun one. So I'm, I'm, you know, putting a lot of energy and effort and money into those things and fundraising for some of those things and, you know, all of these different and, and in the totality, just to kind of like let the cat, like give you a little bit of a transparent look at what it looks like to do something like music. I think total if I logged into my distribution platform right now and looked at royalties, just money I've made from people streaming the music or buying the music on iTunes or whatever it is, it's around $20,000. So if that was the only way that I was funding this music so far, I would actually be in the hole. I would have lost money doing this. I have people who have helped fund the last album through the Kickstarter thing. 
uh, and also patrons on a music particular channel that help monthly, like chip in five bucks a month and help continue to make the catechism and all of that possible. So it's definitely costly and it's costly in terms of time. But then what happens is that I get this product, this, this end result in it's weird in this day and age, it's actually like a digital file. It's a wave file is actually the name of it. It's a high resolution music file. And that's the fruit of the labor. And it seems kind of anticlimactic when you put all that work in and you're like, look, a wave file that I can then distribute and publish. And, and the goal being that people would be served by it. The econ- economy is just externalized love of your neighbor applied economic like invocation. And that's what it is. So they go out and hopefully they like it, served by it, homeschooling families, things like that, schools, enjoy the music. We need to go back to that point in a little bit, but keep going. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then like a streaming service pays me $0.004 per stream, which is less than a penny a stream. And over time, I three months later, which is when I get paid on a royalty from somebody streaming it, three months later, I get paid. And then it's productive property. The nice thing and the goal is that over the next five years, people would continue to listen to that song. And that someday I would go from the red to the black and that would go into the productive category where now it's providing towards my children's children's inheritance, the work of our household and that sort of thing. So that started with me humming tunes at the piano while dinner tables being set and trying to set a random psalm. I'm just thinking of all the caricatures of you on Twitter. People are like, oh yeah, if we all had the time to just sit around all day and read theology and Doug Wilson and write psalms, you're like, yeah, that's not actually what this looks like, but thanks, man. (laughs) No, it's really not. I actually spend mostly margin time in producing music, like not- There's a lot that I have to say about this, but I don't know where you want to take this. Well, go ahead. Take us on a journey, Well, okay. Okay, so uh, my first thought is just like, you've always said there's so much work out there if people would just humble themselves and do the work. So yes, I do think you do need to look at what you're good at. And maybe this is another point you're going to get to. But at the same time, what are the jobs that just need to be done that nobody's willing to do? Yes. Like porter potty drop off. Yes. <laughs> you've talked about like how you wish you had time to start a business like that. <laughs> yeah. So like, there's a lot of money to be had in those things. There's a lot of money in different places like that. Um, I wish, I wish there was like a hairdresser on wheels. I know lots of moms around our church would appreciate something yeah. like that. Um, just thinking what actually, and this is my second point, chocolate Knox does always talk about like in the Christian economy, your product exists to serve people. Yeah. So one, don't just think in terms of your passion or unique skill set. I guess. Yeah. How can you think in terms of service acts of service to others? And then two, because it, it, it should be a good or service to actually serve somebody. Mm-hmm. You can't do a shoddy job of it. Yes. That's so true. So yeah. Those are great points. In fact, one of the things I had written down in my notes was just that as Christians thinking clearly about productive households, we need to make sure that we're thinking clearly about the difference between a hobby and a job or between a hobby and an interest and then truly turning profit. And hobbies are great. Like we believe in a culture of leisure. You could read Joseph Pieper. I mean, we believe that the overflow of Christian culture will be leisure and room for thinking and enjoying things and investigating God's world and knitting and doing things that aren't just like utilitarian, I do this act, always thinking about making money or something like that. But a whole lot of people, and I think a lot of Christians even in the the productive household thinking, they actually aren't ruthless enough with themselves in being honest about is the thing I'm doing actually a hobby or is it 
uh, a productive, you know, uh, interest or a job? Is it actually producing income for the for my family? Sometimes people spin their wheels and do a like they'll do hours and hours of work, and they'll be like, "Well, I'm making money at it; it's productive." And it's like, "Well, have you calculated your hourly wage? If if it's two dollars and seventy three cents an hour, you know, you probably it doesn't mean kill it today, but it you have to think clearly about those." Yeah, things. you do, especially if if you do want to have a family, you can't. Well, and that that was another point I was going to say about your music. It was not like Brian fulfilling some lifelong dream. No. It was, it literally started like we had talked to, who was that guy we talked to up in Moscow? Like, what resources do you have for homeschool moms like Lexi, uh-huh. who I have no musical background. My parents were not musical. I did not grow up in a musical home. I'm trying to teach my kids this. And he said, he looked at us and said, there's really not a lot out there. There's not a lot. So we saw there is a need on the market for this. That was yeah. a primary reason. It wasn't that Brian likes to write and sing music. Yeah, it was first that that and our church was looking at, uh, I, I still lead a lot of our musical our singing at church. And before we had really started to sing in four parts and sing through a hymnal and that sort of thing, I was looking for, can we sing whole Psalms in our church? And it was difficult for me to find resources on how to do that. So I started setting a few just, and then making basic recordings so our church could learn them through the week. Mm -hmm. And it was out of that, that people started saying, Hey, would you mind putting that on Spotify? And I was like, what? put it on Spotify. Why? <laughs> and, and, and Pastor Burkholder told me that. And, you know, so over time I just started kind yeah. of shifting into it and then people listen to it. And, and a lot of these things that you'll, you'll find, they kind of function like that. You find a skill, someone yeah. has a need, you see the, the meeting point, but you definitely do need to think if you're a man uh, who's thinking about how can I increase our income as a home, maybe start to work for myself, that kind of thing. One of the, the the life hacks, I suppose you could say, is just to look at where there's a great need that someone doesn't want to do or where the people are not doing it well or where there's a trust gap uh, that Christians can come in and, as you, and have the reputation of being trustworthy. What would an example of that be? Actually, an example of that would be something Pastor Dan is doing. Um, he's, he's working right now to start an auto... Ah, okay. brokerage. And the reason is because auto sales is a low trust environment <laughs> where people don't, they, they're used to getting, you know, screwed over by yeah. car salesmen. So he's saying, I'm going to be a Christian about this uh-huh. and I'm going to do it with absolute integrity and gain a reputation of that. So do you mean Christians should be Christians in the workplace? One absolutely. Is that what you're saying? So true. Okay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Christians should be Christians. I want to read that quote from the George Grant book that I sent you guys yesterday yeah. about bringing in the sheaves. I just, I mean, it's, we all know it, but it was so simple in George Grant. Like, yeah, we get this. He says a great obstacle to the Christian reclamation of Western culture is shoddy craftsmanship. It has almost become an evangelical legacy to churn out sloppy literature, sloppy music, sloppy social action, sloppy scholarship, and sloppy worship. As Frankie Schaefer has so accurately stated, we have become addicted to mediocrity. And I think that's like what you're saying. Part of that is like the trustworthiness. Yes, there are so you many. You can't trust somebody who is, you know, that they're they're just like not putting all their effort into their right. job. You know what I yeah, mean? They're absolutely. cutting corners. They're Yep. And uh, Christians, that shouldn't be named among us. We no. should be known <clears throat> for excellence, for integrity. We should be known for swearing to our own hurt and yeah. still performing. Yep. When we said we'll do something, we should be known for doing that thing, even if it hurts us. Yeah. Right. These are these are all. I mean, this is these are aspects of Christian ethic. Yes. Applied to vocation, which is why, and this is a great point because this is why Christians have kind of like a cheat code going into these sorts of vocational endeavors, because as we simply obey the Lord and how we work, you'll find that you actually will outperform 
a huge amount of the current competition in a space. Yeah. If you'll just do it the way that a Christian ought to do it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, in that, in that same book, George Grant is talking about, I think he actually takes it from George Gilder, maybe like the three aspects of turning people in poverty into productive people is faith, work and family and Mm -hmm. how, because of the covenant, we realize the only way to riches in Christ and material riches is by walking in faith, which looks like obeying the word of God. Yeah. Not separating the two. Like you really can't separate. I'll be a lazy worker at this nine to five job and wonder why I never ended up having money to pass on an inheritance. That's not actually walking in the fullness of the covenant. Yeah, it's It's, not. It's such a good book, guys. You got to pick it up. What's the name of that book again? Bringing in the Sheaves. Bringing in the Sheaves. It's the one you told me about while we were recording one episode. Yes. I thought, I really thought it wouldn't be something that like, uh, I'm not, I'm a mom. I'm not a social worker. I don't have anything to do with welfare programs, but I've been seeing there's so much application to the productive household in this book. It's very good. It's actually funny. One of the things you said about just doing things excellently, being known, that was one of the reasons why, even though I wasn't sure if it would work, that I wanted to try and raise money and professionally produce this this album that came out today because I have done all the production and everything on the other albums, and I don't really know what I'm doing in that front. Like I've made it up as I've gone along. Hopefully it's good, but I was getting to the limit of my capabilities and thinking, man, we need some Christian music that is everything from singing together, also just listening to in your car while you're working out or all these other times in life when people put music on and they're tempted right now to put on Tyler Childers or, you know, Coulter Wall or put on music that is musically excellent, but the content is about cocaine, you know? So it's like, I was like, can we take musical excellence and not talk about cocaine and instead maybe sing the Psalms or hide the word of God in our heart and that sort of thing. Uh, And maybe also write some based original songs. Like there's a song on the album called Such Clever Follies that is if 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 uh, Spotify knew what it was about they would and like figured out they'd probably kick me off but it's uh <laughs> go listen anyway so yeah excellence there was one of the drivers to realize like I'm past my own capability and so I'm going to bring in other people and that's another aspect of this thinking is that you need to think as yeah, a community true. what skills are represented mm-hmm. that I could link arms with other people in my community and become an anti-fragile productive community and not just household And if you're in a good Christian church, a thick Christian community, there are men and women who have skills and insights that will absolutely serve you in making this kind of vocational work productive. You'll be able to learn things and not have to figure everything out yourself or do everything else out yourself. And the end result is that lots of people prosper and lots of people are built up instead of just one family or one person. I will say another thing I have written down on my notes, you know, because a lot of these, a lot of productive household endeavors entail taking calculated risk, investment of funds, things like that. And I'll say that when your wife has your back, when your wife has your back, it is a superpower. It's a superpower to have a wife who has your back. Lexi has never once been like, Brian, I don't know. You're, you know, spent a lot of money last year making this album. Like, what are you doing? Are you going to bankrupt our family? <laughs> you know, like, are you indulging in some sort of musical fantasy or you know that kind of thing? No, she's had my back the whole time, and that's the encouragement of a woman, of a godly woman, is absolutely 
a superpower. I think this is one aspect of why first Peter calls women to be fearless in their submission is I, I, I haven't ever felt fearful surrounding this necessarily, but um, I could see why women would. And I have talked to women who are in other circumstances, Yeah, but the encouragement from scripture is that we would be fearless daughters of Sarah. So yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> because there, there's some fear there when your husband is like, Hey, I'm going to take this calculated risk. I'm going to put some investment in business equipment. I'm going to put time into this thing and trust me, it'll pan out. And he's, and, and she says, well, when is it going to turn profit? And he's like, well, well, three months. I mean, but, but seriously, the way I think about this is our circumstances most of the time are not anywhere near as drastic as what scripture is holding us to. And yet we still complain. Yeah. The circumstance with Sarah was a, a genuinely fearful, go read the yes. account. It's genuinely yeah. a fearful account. And God still says to her, yeah. do not fear. Do not fear. I mean, are you holding like a financial loss over your husband's head? Yeah. Or something a like- mistake. Yeah. No, that's not what we're called to be doing. No. So- No. And and what happens over time is that I think there's a dynamic that can play out in two directions. Um, I've talked with, with uh, in, in terms of marriage counseling, I've talked this over multiple times, I can think over the years, where in one direction, the wife can think, my husband's going to make a mistake. He's taking a calculated risk, but I don't think it's the right risk. And it, it could lead to loss. And I don't want that to happen. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to let him know my displeasure. I'm not going to trust him. I'm going to disrespect him. I'm going to nag him. I'm going to be really fearful and anxious. And and on and that's a ditch. And then almost guaranteed the thing is not going to work because a guy can't do things with his when he's taking fire from all sides. Yeah, can I say something? Yeah. That wife should probably get mind her own business and get her nose out of the finances then. Yeah. Yeah. No, 100%. (laughs) And on the other hand, what she's disrupting though is actually how men learn as well. Yeah. So that's why, because she is curtailing her own benefit is why she should mind her own business. If the husband goes out and he makes a wrong decision and his wife absolutely respects him and has his back, that's a weighty thing for him to have to reckon with and go, oh, I made a mistake. And then he learns from that is the goal and he grows in wisdom and skill. Ladies, your husbands will not grow in skill without making mistakes. Building successful things absolutely requires you to make mistakes and you will you it's it's there's no risk-free way of doing this you absolutely will so on the other hand the wife as she trusts and encourages her husband and, and you know hopefully gives him counsel as as asked and he's like what do you think she can say well this is what i think I want to encourage you have you thought about this like be a help but not an anxious naggy disrespectful i don't believe in you help have his back and the superpower what happens is that the husband then he learns the weightiness of making the call because he goes, my wife has my back. She believes in me. I'd better come through. I'd better make wise decisions. I'd better take calculated rather than reckless risks. Well, and I would just say if you're, uh, I feel like if, if your husband is coming to you for counsel, you better have a studied biblical opinion on the topic. Sure. Not counsel that is informed by your fears, your mother's fears, your mother-in-law's fears. Yeah. Um, so, and then there are certain times too that I can think like, I remember early on some other business thing that you were doing, you asked my advice and I was like, I don't know. I just know this is what Proverbs says about it. <laughs> but mm-hmm. then there's been other times with music stuff where like, what do you think I should do about this? I'm like, I literally don't know because it's so far out of my league that my wheelhouse mm-hmm. that I don't, I don't know what to tell you. So either be honest about like, I don't know, but I trust you or say something scriptural, but don't let your fear be the thing that's Yeah, don't let the fear get in the driver's seat. And I've, I've even gone so far as to tell ladies before, like, hey, it would be better for you 
for your husband's thing to fail and you guys be bankrupt, yes. but have a happy, peaceful house yes. where you're mutually encouraging. And hopefully he's not like, this is not an excuse. Men, don't be foolish. Don't take foolish risks and be, no. be no. reckless and, and shipwreck your family. You need to manage well. You need to be men of character and wisdom and seek counsel and do these things with integrity. But far better for you for him to take a risk and actually fail, but you two to be on the same team yeah. than for him to even maybe not take the risk and things go well financially, but he, you're, he, he's lost respect. He's yeah. lost your support. Well, we've talked about this before. Um, this is why Christians have the gospel to fall back on, even when mm-hmm. they make foolish financial or business decisions Yeah, is because we're not to be judging one another grace um, based upon our works. You know, mm-hmm. Jesus, we can make stupid decisions and fall back on Christ and wives are the ones to really incarnate that. I feel like sometimes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, if you're looking at these sorts of things, Make sure that you don't forget your primary duties in the midst of them. Don't forget your primary duties, lady. See that you respect your husband. Men, make sure that you're not forgetting your primary duties, that these sorts of productive Christian household things, they're not just a playground for you to exercise your dreams on. Yeah, People are depending on you. You need to provide for your household. Yeah, there is a difference between like a wife. There's a difference between a wife realizing I'm fretful in every area of life Mm -hmm. and I'm just sinning. And then like- no, genuinely, my husband is making foolish decisions. I don't know how to feed the family and I'm worried about it. That's a different yeah. a different type of thing. And you need to really be honest with yourself about what category you're falling into. And one of the, one of the aspects of this practically is that you also have to know when to stop doing something. You have to know when to let something die, to let a dream die, to let a business die, to let a vocational endeavor die, to let a college degree die. And sometimes you just need to cut your losses and not throw good money after bad, good time after bad. Yeah, that's And you true. just have to let, it's like sometimes you have to take your business idea out to the shed like old yeller, <laughs> shoot it in the head, and then that. return to your house. And you did like, yeah. sometimes you got to close the business. And, and that's fine too. Well, if you've been listening to Bright Hearth for any length of time, you know that we are all about productive Christian households, supporting one another in business endeavors worth doing, and we're all about modest, feminine Christian women, masculine Christian men. So we're so excited to be partnering for this episode of Bright Hearth with a sponsor, Garlands of Grace. Garlands of Grace makes beautiful feminine head coverings, uh, whether you're wearing a head covering or a headband just for fashion reasons or uh, as a covering for 1 Corinthians 11 sort of matters, we'd really commend them to you. And Lexi, uh, we were just looking at their organics line. What do you think about that? It's very cute. <laughs> they are very cute. They have a lot of floral prints, and it's. I think it's really unique to find companies that are willing to even go the extra mile and use organic fabric. So Yes, we know that our listeners are not just interested in getting the cheapest, quickest, flimsiest things they can get, but they want to get quality um, products made that are going to support Christian households. And so we would commend these ladies to you and their company. Uh, you can head to garlandsofgrace.com and you can see a huge variety of head coverings, head wraps. They have them for women as well as girls. And um, they also have those volumizers. What are those again? They help keep your head covering in place so it's not slipping off of your head. Yes. And if, uh, you know, Lexi is taking care of five children plus one in the womb on Sundays while I'm preaching and teaching and leading the service. So it is important that it's not slipping off of your head so easily when little people are kind of climbing and crawling over you. So that's been a help for you. Yep, I love it. Absolutely. Well, check it out there, garlandsofgrace.com. You can use the link in the description of this episode 
and you support our show when you support them. So uh, thanks for listening. And now we'll get back to the episode. I think people would be surprised at how many little side gigs you've had over the years. It's just because they see this one publicly that they're like, oh. <laughs> yeah, it, it, like most of the things, when you see one thing succeed, and, and even music, for me, music is like, in terms of success, it's a, sm- it's a small success. It's not like a financial juggernaut or anything like that. And uh, it's been, we've been very blessed and pleased to see people being benefited by it yeah. and, and that sort of thing. But it's de- it's like not even close to something I can make a living full-time doing. But people will see that and they'll think, wow, it's like, look at that. It was, it's like, they don't see actually even to get to where we are today, the people listening or, you know, doing that. It's been like three years of work. And before Mm -hmm. that it was 15 plus years Mm -hmm. of working in music and honing those skills and that sort of thing and writing lots of bad songs. (laughs) Like I've written so many bad songs, you guys. Lexi actually used to love my bad songs. <laughs> I still love your bad songs. She thought they were good songs, but I know in my heart they were bad songs, but she loves me. So she <laughs> sees them through the eyes of love and the ears of love. And she used to fall asleep to them up in her, her bedroom, listening to All the my mixed, bad songs. mixed CDs you bring me tapes. of your- <laughs> that I, I can't even remember how I recorded those things. I don't even Probably know. like a digital recorder. They were so bad. Man. Should I drop your band name from high school? Please never. Okay. Do. <laughs> As my wife having my back means never. I know dropping that's, that. that's what I figured. I've actually Googled it sure. many times trying to make sure it's not anywhere on the internet. Yeah, I know. I don't, I don't think you can find just it. so nobody could I'm ever sure Steven find Steven has it. a CD somewhere. Please don't know. Don't, <laughs> Steve, I don't even know who Steven is. I'm going to, I'm going to bleep that out. So nobody can find who you're talking about. <laughs> I'm telling you. It well, took he's a lot not of, on social media anywhere. So. It doesn't matter. They couldn't he's find him. Someone already. will be. Someone will find him uh, and they will figure it out. But yes, I do think an essential skill is learning when to kill things. And, you know, part of that also is like, I think one way this works out in the productive home is like ladies, sometimes they get into these side gig hustles and they are spending an enormous amount of time and money on them. And they're not actually producing income. Like mid-level marketing stuff is often this category where, you know, the vast majority of people make like a hundred dollars a year doing it. And if you actually calculated how much they're spending in terms of time and money, they're making negative money doing them. And the husband needs to be kind enough to be like, babe, we need to stop doing that. That's unless it's just a hobby that you like to do and it fits with your or, family. Or there are certain things that I take on my plate because it helps cover a portion of cost for things in our sure. family, which, yeah. Yeah. Like, like the Azure drop, that was part of why I started doing exactly. the Azure drop. Yes. We do have a young living account because that helps cover. We use a lot of that stuff on a regular basis yeah. and it helps cover that stuff. But yes, it's not there are women out there that need to hear that you don't have to be as an essential oil seller to make yourself a productive human being in your home. You can just be a mom. You can be a really good mom. Yeah. Make really good food. Doesn't even use oils. Doesn't even be a use. <laughs> <Good mom. laughs> Crazy. You don't even <laughs> or have buy to your use groceries oils. from Azure. Imagine that. You don't even have Imagine to. Imagine Brian and Lexi saying this. You can be good parents without using Azure or oils. You can actually. Let the record show people. <laughs> tell that Azure is not a business for us because we've never once told people like sign up for your thing. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> true. That's that's true. We just love it's them. Not, They're a great. It, talk about great Christian company. Yeah. Great customer service. Great quality products. We love Azure. Yeah, actually, we really do. They're, they're I awesome. I didn't even know you could sign up under me. See, that's how I, bad I am at this stuff. Yeah, Lexi's not a business person. People ask me fine. that. They're like, "Do you have an? Do you have like a a sales account or sales link I can use for that?" I'm like, "Yeah, somewhere. I'm pretty busy with my kids, though, and I'll probably forget probably to send it to you. Probably not send it to you ever. So just <laughs> sign up on the website. It's fine. It's fine. So, anyways, yes. that's just yeah. not me. I'm not. 
Uh, I'm not good at that stuff. And on the male <laughs> side of the equivalent, like there, a, a lot of men are like, I'm going to start a business. I'm going to do this thing. And they have not sought advice. They don't have a good business model. They're probably not going to make money. They're going to spend a lot of their time though. And, and it, it's a good free education if they will take the lessons from that and just not, you know, sort of treat it as I'm going to make my family depend on this. But men, again, think of the weight that your wife is putting in trusting you and respecting you and having your back. Make sure you feel that weight when you're making business decisions and vocation decisions like this and not just trying to leap and, you know, skip all of the ashes work and never do the hard work of learning how to work for somebody or learning how to be a subordinate and just saying, well, I'm going to be in charge. I don't like working for people. So I'm going to start a business. It's going to be great. You know, being super unrealistic, you need to be realistic. You need to make sure you are good at the thing you're doing or have a reasonable pathway to get good at it, that you're taking advantage of counsel, learning from people who are further ahead from you, asking your pastor, asking godly men in your life, can you give me counsel? Am I making a wise investment decision here? Am I making a wise vocation decision here? Do you think I would be good at this thing? Would you use my services, honestly, if I did this thing. And sometimes the answer might be like, my brother in Christ, I would never use your handyman services in a million years. I've seen how you tiled your bathroom, which is what somebody would tell me if I told them that I was (laughs) going to try to open a tiling business. I'm bad at it. So (laughs) like if I ask Kevin Griffin in our church, who's like an insanely good craftsman, does it for a job. Like literally he renovates historic homes and does craftsmanship that matches the original 1900, 1920s, 1890s work just flawlessly. If I told him, Kevin, I'm going (laughs) to open a tiling business because I think I can really do well. He would say my brother in Christ. No, you You should not do this. (laughs) Because unless you have learned a tremendous amount about about tiling since the last time I've been in your bathroom, (laughs) you should 100% not do that. And and that is such a gift when someone deflates you, the friend who loves you, and they're like, don't, just don't do it. You should not start a business right now. You're not competent enough to do that. That's such a gift when it's when it's not just a discourager. it's, It's somebody who's really trying to love and help you. Make sure that you're humble and that you're listening to counsel on that front as well as you make these sorts of decisions. Because the weight, again, is super, super heavy if you understand it. The Lord's with you. I'm not trying to discourage you, but it's, it's, it's a heavy weight that you ought to reckon with as a man. Anything, any last words, babe, before we wrap up? No. Have your man's back? Yes, that. Have your man's <laughs> back. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you for a full year of your support and encouragement as you listen to this 52nd episode here, basically on our year anniversary for Bright Hearth, I would commend, go go listen to the album. I really hope that you enjoy it and that it edifies you and your family uh, and that you find some songs on there that can build you up. I put a link in the show notes here that you can go in the description of this episode and you should be able to find it. If, if you can't find the link, just look up Brian, B-R-I-A-N-S-A-U-V-E on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you listen to music. And you should be able to locate the album. It's Even Dragons Shall Him Praise, 10 Psalms and two original songs as well. One of them has vocoder in it. And uh, shout out to all the people who helped make the album possible. Brandon B., my producer and friend and best musician I know. Emily Heimstra up in Canada. She played viola. Wasn't she one of our patrons? Yeah, we found yeah. her through Brighthearth, actually. Yeah, super cool. So Emily, great work. She releases music under her own Emily Heimstra, E-M-I-L-Y. Heimstra is H-I-E-M-S-T-R-A. She has some wonderful classical viola arrangements mm-hmm. that she's written and recorded and, and done. She's a tremendous musician. She played all the fiddle parts on the album. Beth Whitney 
sang uh, harmony vocals on four of the songs. She has solo work. She also records with, um, oh, what's the band? Banner Days. The Banner Days is a band that she does with another talented uh, guy that I, whose name I can't remember right now. <laughs> Bradford Loomis is his name. I was going to say uh, Wilford. <laughs> okay. Bradford Loomis remember. is really good too. He's not on the album, but uh, it was mastered by Troy Glessner, who has actually mastered some of my favorite albums. He mastered uh, Transatlanticism, Death Cab for Cutie, which is one of my favorite albums really of all time. Uh, he mastered the, the album. Let's see who else. He's not kidding. He's not just saying that. He's been a Death Cab fan for years. I really love Death Cab for <laughs> Cutie. Like no, as the kids say, no cap. He's not just saying that now that he got someone to work with him. No, he did a lot of other music that I also like, like Norma Jean, but that's probably way outside <laughs> of, of the wheelhouse of our listeners. Who else? There was a couple other people. Oh, Adam Barta did trumpets and brass arranging and recording on the album. And uh, I mean, it's just... So many people helped make this album possible. And every, every one of you who supported King David, it, King David, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit <laughs> for inspiring Psalm, Psalms 149, 148, 140, 121. <laughs> Thanks, babe. Yeah, King David. I'm not a really shout funny out to person, King, so. Shout out to King I can be funny. David for writing <laughs> the song. Shout out to Lexi Sauve for listening to me play these songs at all hours of the day and night and putting up with them. Literally. I sing so night. loud day and night have no volume control whatsoever, <sighs> man. Thank you guys. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, thank you for listening. Go check it out. Share it with your friends. I'd be honored if you would give it a listen. And uh, thanks for listening to this episode of bright hearth. And we will catch you in the start of year two of bright hearth next week. God be with you.